0: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Hello and welcome to Ladies Who Punt. We are the weekly podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Bleer, and I'm joined, as always, by
0: my co-host, Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. Hello, Fee. Hello, everybody listening into Ladies Who Punt. We are back from a very quick freshen up. We had the one week off last week, and the reason for that, Fee, is the week prior we'd done our big episode on all things spring carnival and spring planning and spring preparations for horses well now we're back because it is officially the start or the soft launch of the spring racing carnival in Melbourne we've got our first group one of the season here in Victoria it is the group one Memsey Stakes uh, race eight over 1400 meters at Caulfield this Saturday and it is just such a great race day it is a great time of year in Melbourne and I'm so excited to get to the track this Saturday.
1: Yeah and it looks like it's going to be a really competitive race. There are some very nice horses in this race. The Memsey Stakes kicking off and a few that are up and running too so it's going to be a very interesting one to preview this week.
0: Yeah it it is. The Memsey Stakes is always a great race. Um, A lot of horses target it Um, as a group one, sort of at the start of the spring, they might come into the MEMSY second up with that fitness edge and, and aim to be winning and sort of being up and going at the start of spring rather than the back end when, you know, the competition gets even stronger. But having said that, this year's edition is just, there's so much depth throughout the whole race. There's sort of no one horse that jumps out and says, I'm the winner. Like it is a really, really competitive and star-studded edition of the Memsie Stakes. Like, there's Group 1 winners galore in this race, so I can't wait to get into it. Before we
1: do that, though, Grace, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do today. We've had the week off, and in that time, we've been doing a lot of planning for our LWP community, who we appreciate so much. Uh, first thing is, as we announced our next race day meetup, it is the Moya Stakes Friday Night Lights Racing at Mooney Valley on the 23rd of September. I'm
0: so excited for this one. Yeah, no, it's going to be so good. It's the first night of the Friday Night Racing at the Valley sort of season, which goes all through summer, and it is such a great thing to do after work on a Friday night to get down to the valley um, it's such a fun place to watch the races like you're right in the action everywhere you are you're like right on the on top of the grandstand you're basically on top of the racetrack and in the mountain yard like you're right there next to the horses so it's going to be a really good one for everyone to hopefully get along to and um, you know really enjoy a group one race night but also you know the behind the scenes things that we do on our meetups as well.
1: So if you're planning to come along to that, which we hope you are, make sure you RSVP just by DMing us on any of our social platforms. And last time we had a 100% female turnout, but I'd just like to encourage any guys, it's not a ladies event. We may be called Ladies Who Punt, but we are very open to men coming. So please, if you are a
0: listener of the podcast and you are male, it would be great to see you there too. And even if you just see you know, the sea of ladies who punt caps around and you feel like coming and saying hello, please do, because we are very obvious when we're at the races because we're (laughs) all clearly in a clan together. (laughs) Come over. We'll make you feel welcome, no doubt.
1: Going off our announcement of the race day meetup, we've had a few people reach out to us in the last few months about doing events in New South Wales and Queensland. Now I'm not sure if everyone listened to the episode where I announced that I'll be having my second baby in early November, Um, but that is on the cards. It's fast approaching, and uh, unfortunately, we won't be doing any interstate travelling for the next few months. However, what this did is it gave us the idea to create an LWP social club where you guys can all communicate and connect with each other and if you are heading to the races, let us know on our social club and any other LWP listeners
0: can meet you there. So this is sort of the next step with Ladies Who Punt is that Instead of just being a podcast and a vehicle for information and educational content for our listeners, we now put together a society, basically a private page that will live on Facebook for our followers to join and then to be able to discuss content, discuss races, discuss content of our podcast episodes, chat to one another, chat to us, share you know your thoughts and opinions of upcoming races or if you're attending the races and want to see if any other like-minded people are going as well to potentially meet up with and have a good day out with everyone that's following ladies who punt is doing it because they're interested in the same sort of thing and they want to learn more about racing and they want to go to the races and enjoy it to the next level so we're all the same let's start enjoying it together i think that's the main point fee
1: definitely like the social side of racing is one of the best parts of racing and As Grace said, we all have a shared interest in this podcast and the content that we put out. And so, yeah, we just wanted to create the platform for you guys to be able to take your LWP experience.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com ACAST. That's burrow.com ACAST.
1: Burrow.com ACAST.
0: The next level. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm super excited about the social club. Aww.
1: So, now that our housekeeping's all done and dusted, let's get straight into our memsey Stakes Day preview. We are going to start with the big race on the day, Race 8, the Memsy Stakes. It's a Group 1 weight for age, over 1400 meters, and my goodness, it is a hot field this year. It is so exciting. I can't wait to watch how this plays out. We've got horses like I'm Thunderstruck, Tefane, Alligator Blood, and the undefeated Elation, to name a few in this race. And a lot of the horses in this race are kicking off their spring campaigns in this Group 1 Memsey Stakes. It is such an exciting field, but it, it is almost overwhelming having this many good horses resuming in the one race. Grace, how do your tactics change looking at a race like this where there's no clear horse putting up their hand saying I'm the winner of this race. Like, I feel like the winner could come from anywhere. Do you change any of your form tactics when looking at a race of this quality?
0: Okay, great question, Fee. There's 14 horses uh, lined up for the Memsie Stakes on Saturday, which is a relatively big field considering a lot of these horses are kicking off their preparation. And at Group 1 Wait for Age level, of those 14 runners, eight of them are already Group 1 winners, and majority of those eight are multiple Group 1 winners, which what that tells you is that there is so much class in this race, it's not funny. And you're right, it is actually really hard to go through the form of this race and sort of, you know, then just bring it down to a top three that you think are clearly the top three best chances in the race because you just can't rule out a lot of these horses. Now, when we go through it and and talk about certain horses, there will certainly be things that I'm suggesting might be a knock for the Saturday's performance in my opinion. Um, But that's not to say that their class won't just bring them to the 4 anyway. So it it is such a tricky sort of a a race to assess and that's one of those ones where you have to just wait you can have whatever opinions you want but at the end of the day you need to watch what happens on saturday watch the replays see who was a great run see who was the unlucky hidden run because it's a huge pointer this memsey stakes to the rest of the spring carnival
1: so last episode grace we did our spring preview where we talked about how different horses are going to take different routes to get to certain target races we really earmarked the Memsey Stakes as the kickoff point for a lot of these top class horses, so what can we see from the field, like who would be going where in this field of 14 horses?
0: It's a bit of a mixed bag, the Memsey Stakes this year, as it often is, um, but I can confidently say that we've got a whole lot of proper weight for age horses in this field that would ideally be looking at a race like the Cox Plate to be sort of their main target before the Cox Plate we've got other group one features like the Turnbull Stakes or the Caulfield Stakes and now there's that group one wait for age race on the final day of the carnival as well so there are lots of group one wait for age races that these horses a lot of these horses can follow on through the spring and I'd expect to see the likes of I'm Thunderstruck and Cascadian and Western Empire if you if he measures up. Tofani is a fascinating runner she is a four-time group one winning mare and um, she might be actually heading to the breeding barn a little bit later on in the spring carnival so we'll see where she's at on Saturday they're the wait for age horses but there are a couple of horses in here as well that are clearly following that wait for age path towards a Caulfield Cup which is the handicap the group one handicap over 2400 meters that we also spoke about in our most recent episode too so it's a bit of a mixed bag um, but it's going to be a really good race to see how the horses will come back ahead of their spring carnivals
1: you're saying it's a mixed bag. Is that because of the distance of the race? Like 1,400 metres, it could be a horse that, like Tofane, who's more of a sprinter, mm-hmm. but then you've got horses yet, like you said, aiming for the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate. Like, Is it because of the distance that this is such a popular race to kick off in?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also because of where it falls in the spring carnival, where a lot of these horses are having their first up run. So it's just a natural 1,400 metre kickoff point um, in previous editions of the memsey stakes there's been you know a horse or a couple of horses in the race that that are third up 1400 meters is their pet distance and you're like well this is the one that's here and now and this is the one that's most likely going to win this saturday because he's primed and peaking for his target but no this year is a bit more difficult (laughs) because there's none of those really so we've just got lots of horses with lots of different ambitions throughout the spring all sort of in this one melting pot and the best horse will win on the day so, today we will be
1: doing a MEMSI Stakes Day LWP Quaddy. So, we will be trying to pick the horses that are going to win races six, seven, eight, and nine, the traditional Quaddy legs. Let's take a look at the market for the third leg of the Quaddy, race eight, the MEMSI Stakes. So, on top here, we have number three Alligator Blood at $5.50 when we record. This says so much about the field and how open
0: this contest is. Five dollars fifty is quite a big price for a favorite Grace. Yeah, it's a really even race and that's what happens when you've got markets that are five dollars fifty the field. As we can see this one is as well. It just tells you that um there are so many different opinions out there and lots of horses have been given good chances by the market this will change this market will change a lot before um we have the race jump on saturday afternoon and i think there might be some horses that are currently shorter than they'll actually start so they'll drift in betting over the next few days and um we'll really know who the firm favorite is you'd hope Come race eight on Saturday, but um, yeah, so alligator blood as five dollars fifty is our favorite, really interesting horse. Been making lots of headlines recently, fee in the news, but um, he's here, he's lining up in the Memsey stakes on Saturday. And I'm so glad that he's in this race because he adds so much excitement. I reckon he does,
1: he's such a fascinating horse, he's had a really sort of interesting racing history, you know. There was a time where he wasn't allowed to race Mm -hmm. because of positive swab and now he's back with a new trainer and then he almost wasn't allowed to run in Victoria this spring but they've let him in and yeah, he's such an exciting horse. I'm so excited to see him and I can see why he started out at favourite. The things that I really liked about him was his first up record and also his record for this distance. So first up from seven starts... He's won three times first up. Mm -hmm. And then from this distance, he's run this distance seven times and won five times. So really good stats. No wonder he's the favorite.
0: Yeah, that is exactly it. So there's a lot to like about that aspect of Alligator Blood's form. There's a lot to like about the fact that he's actually coming to this race off only a really short break. So his last start was in Queensland in the Stradbroke Handicap, which he won. Um, That was at Group 1 level. He carried 55 kilos that day. Now he's at weight for age, so he's got to carry extra weight, 59 kilos, because he's weighted by his age, not by his handicap rating. So he's got to carry more weight here. But he's a last-start Group 1 winner in what was a high-pressure Stradbroke handicap, and he's only been off the scene for 75 days. So he comes into this with a lot more fitness is the way I'm seeing it, than some of his rivals here. And that's a big thing, especially in in what's going to be a quality edition of a Memsie Steak. So I really like that about him as well. And look at his jockey, Damien Oliver. Mm. Like That's a very confident jockey booking from the Gay Waters House and Adrian Bott Stable to suggest that he's here and he's ready to play.
1: So the next in line and bidding are number five, Western Empire, and number 11, Elation, two big boom horses of this race. Uh, Elation is undefeated from the Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. stable. I'm really excited to see him resume, and we have number five Western Empire, who has a fantastic strike rate, and this is the first time we're seeing him go around here in Victoria. So a really exciting Victorian debut for this horse.
0: Two really interesting runners in the Memsey Stakes. Fee Elation. Okay, let's let's start with Elation. Mm-hmm. Because he was racing through sort of the late part of the autumn, and that was his first racing preparation. This is the thing that when I was going back and looking at this horse, um, you know, at the beginning I was like, well, he's just going to win because he's a freak. Mm-hmm. But he only has had one racing preparation, and it was last prep in the autumn. He was a autumn three-year-old, so he was racing in the second half of his three-year-old year. He's obviously been a really slow maturing type of horse either physically or mentally to be getting to the races so late Um, but it was well worth the wait because the three runs that we saw from him and they were all wins were really quite electric Um, but he he did win his maiden on debut and then progressed to two listed races and both of which were in three-year-old company only On the clock, he was outstanding, running very fast time. Like he's got a super sprint on him in the concluding stages of a race. He's got a very short starting price profile. And what I I mean by that is when you go back and take a look at what price he started uh, each time he went around, you know, it was $1.40 on debut, then it was $2.05 at his second start, and then it was $1.16 for his third start. So the market just says every time, like, winks odds, you're just going to win. Mm So uh, there's a lot to like about that, um, but this is a big step up.
1: Huge, like listed races to group one. This is a
0: huge step up for this horse.
1: <laughs> I feel like, though, it's really important to note that he is still an Entire. Mm-hmm. So he's a four-year-old horse, as we call Entires. Once once they take over from three to four, they go from colt to horse. And he's by So You Think, a fantastic sire. And he's out of a reduced choice mare as well. So he's got a fantastic pedigree, a great page, as we would say. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they just wouldn't expose him unless they were sure, Like, this this horse is lining up for a
0: stallion career.
1: I feel like they wouldn't expose him unless they were fairly confident
0: he had a good chance. Yes, and now we're starting to think. We're trying to get into the minds of the <laughs> trainers and think about what they are thinking, and that's the joy of trying to do form analysis, because it's true. Like We are taking such a guide and such a push from the fact that this horse is even in this race in the first place. Yeah. He wouldn't be here if they didn't think he's going to measure up.
1: There's so many other options for him. Yes. He could run in a group 3, he could run in a group 2. Why is he in
0: a group 1 first up? Because they and... think he'll win. Yeah. So... Yeah. And also, Faye, you mentioned um, that you've seen this jump out, the most recent jump out of elation and he was against I'm Thunderstruck. What did you think about it?
1: Yeah, I thought he was very impressive. You know, I'm Thunderstruck's a very well-known horse, a multiple group one winner already, and Elation uh, got him on the line. It looked pretty easy for him to do as well. Like, mm-hmm. I was a bit like, holy heck, this horse is just firing. Yep. And this is the other thing, is that they are stable mates, so they've put I'm Thunderstruck, a horse that has been was a little bit unlucky last prep, really. Yeah, yeah he was great last yeah. prep. So he didn't get a win last prep, so his owners will be hungry for a win as well in a group one, and the stable has decided to put these two against each other. My thinking is is that I'm Thunderstruck's heading towards more of a Cox Plate campaign, and so this is really a kickoff point, yep. and if he runs well and gets a place, that's a real positive, but I think um for them to put these two against each other, they must think Elation's got a very good chance.
0: And obviously he's been Elation has shown everybody on the track what he can do. He's shown his trainers back home. He's got Jamie Carr in the saddle. But I still personally just want to see him do it. Mm-hmm. So this will be the first time and maybe only time that I'm I'm actually not going with Elation wow. as my on top selection for the race. I think if he wins this race, there's a very good chance he won't be beaten again for the rest of the spring. Like, if he's that good and he's winning this race, then he can just go on to whatever. Like, he could be an absolute freak. So, he's a fascinating runner. Cannot wait to see what he can produce, but we're just going to sit back and watch from my perspective. But
1: do you think he'll be in our quaddy Grace?
0: Yeah, he goes in the Quaddy. Yeah. He definitely goes in the <laughs> Quaddy fee, not leaving elation out of our <laughs> quaddy. Oh, God.
1: The other one that is on the second line of bidding was Western Empire, a horse that, as we said, is having his Victorian debut in a Group 1 in Spring Carnival. Like, that's a huge ask. What are your thoughts on him, Grace?
0: Well, he's a really interesting runner because we've seen Western Empire more times than we've seen Elation. So he's had 13 career starts, but all of them have been in West Australia. And he's a Group 1 winner. He won the Railway Stakes by four lengths, which is a Group 1 handicap over a mole um, at Ascot in Perth back in November, late November of last year. So again, he's got a very good reputation coming across here, but I just want to see how he measures up. Mm. He definitely can measure up, um, but I just want to see him do it. So he's sort of in the same bracket as Elation for me. Definitely can win but I just need to see what they do before I start investing in them both throughout the spring carnival. The other thing about Western Empire Fee is that he's coming off quite a long break, which is not unusual for Bob Peters, who is the owner of Western Empire. He is a massive owner breeder. He actually breeds all of his own horses. These colors of Western Empire, the, the pink with the white cross, expect to see those horses firing everywhere through the spring in Victoria because he's he's races some great horses. Western Empire is one of them, but he's very patient. Mm. He really takes his time. So often he'll have big breaks with his horses and then they might need a run or two to get back into the swing of things.
1: And that's, I think, the difference between an owner who's a breeder and an owner who is, you know, just... A racehorse owner. So Bob Peters might have Western Jewel, who is the dam of Western Empire, mm-hmm. as part of his broodmare band. And so he wants to boost her pedigree by having, you know, really good horses out of her hit the track. And that can lead these sorts of owners to be a lot more patient with their horses, to give them every opportunity. And that's what he's done here with Western Empire. I think it's also important to note that even though he's a multiple Group 1 winner in Western Australia, that the grades of Group 1s do change. They're all Group 1s nationwide, but the quality of them does change state to state. So a Western Australian Group 1 might not quite measure up to a Mimsy Stakes Victorian Spring Carnival Group 1.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This will be definitely the stiffest competition he's faced in a race as a whole. Like, there have been nice horses in the races that he's had, but not this many nice horses in one race. So that's a query. But he's in the same bracket as Elation for me, Fee, which is need to see him do it. And if he does do it, look out for the rest of the spring. And he's
1: going in the Kuwati. Yep. A horse that I wanted to talk about too, I feel like we're doing a lot of sort of breeding background here. Another one that I wanted to talk about was Tifane. She went through the June sale on the Gold Coast for $3.1 Yulong Investments have bought her and she is going to be getting served this spring while she's up and running. She's going to Ritten Tycoon. No surprises. He stands at Yulong Stud and she's been bought by Yulong. So, she will be continuing to run while trying to get pregnant. She's got two big jobs this spring, this Mm -hmm. girl.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's interesting to note that some horses actually improve once they are early in fall. So, this could actually give her... A little edge this, this spring if she manages to get in fall early or even later in the spring if she continues to run. So really exciting to have her back and I'm excited to see how her racing slash breeding journey goes this spring.
0: I know and there's so much prize money on offer for her this spring so you can understand why they made that decision to do both because you know if she wins this race the race is worth a million dollars and then there's plenty more that she can go to throughout the spring as well. Tefani did win a very similar race, um, so track and distance, group one, wait for age, sea of four stakes, first up in the autumn of this year. So last prep, she resumed at this track and troop in a group one, very similar race, and won. So she's been there, done that, and from barrier three, with Jai McNeil in the saddle, she got the coziest run of all time just behind the speed. Would not surprise to see her right there in the finish again.
1: Yeah, I'd really love her to run a good race. She's sort of my rose-tinted glasses runner in this race. I'd just love for her to get up and, and win another group one. She's such a good man. She's so good. So she goes in the quaddy. Now, Grace, anyone else that you want to put
0: in? One more horse that we're definitely putting in, Fee. Mm-hmm. It is horse number two, Cascadian. Oh, of course. <laughs> How could I forget? Oh god, I just don't know, <laughs> but I've fallen into him again. It's just Oh dear. I he mean, has to go in.
1: He has to go in. I mean, it would be major egg on our face if we didn't put him in and he came out and won. Like yep. he's got a fantastic record. Like, yes. Blake he does. Shin's aboard.
0: Yep. Blake Shin, who's been riding in Hong Kong, is now back here in in Melbourne for the spring. He'll be hungry for a group one win. Uh, which I think is a big thing for Cascadian to have that jockey engaged that's got that mindset of, I can win this race, so I'm going to do it, despite the fact that Cascadian is only first up and will be in for a really big and hopefully fruitful spring carnival. But the thing that I really like about Cascadian is how good he is first up. First up, fresh is best for Cascadian. I mean, he always runs well, but I I like the way it sets up for him from Barrier 7. If he's midfield... He can be flying home and either win or finish top three. And considering that he's, well, he's now $9 into $8, I think that that's still a, an, an okay each-way bet, especially mm-hmm. if he drifts a touch. Then I'll, I'll probably wait for him to get to $10, which he probably will, um, to be sort of betting each way with Cascadian. But I just really like the way it sets up for him.
1: Also, his last start was a group one where he won over 1400 metres mm-hmm. so he certainly can do it bet to now on that day yep um so yeah He'd he, be, would be silly to be leaving him out.
0: And he likes good tracks. He likes heavy eight tracks, which that last start group one win was on. So he's just very consistent. The problem with Cascadian is he often gets too far back, but we've already talked about Blake Sheen in the saddle. I really like that. So he's in.
1: <laughs> okay. So let's run through our third leg of the Quaddy. We will be putting in number two, Cascadian. Number three, Alligator Blood. Number five, Western Empire. Number 11, Elation, And number 12, Tefane. So that's who we like for race eight, the third leg of the Quaddy. But we also had a question from Sarah about a horse in this race. It's number 13, Jewess. Sarah's question is that Jewess, before she got scratched from the Wink stakes, was rated at 116, but is now rated 113 for the Memsey stakes. So she's had a three point drop in rating. It doesn't affect her weights here in this race because it's a weight for age, but it's an interesting pickup
0: from Sarah. So, Grace, can you explain
1: this one to us?
0: So, it is a really good pickup. Um, Jewess is first up on Saturday. She was entered for the Wink Stakes, which was the group one run at Randwick last Saturday but they scratched her because there was just some sort of query on vet and she's now here this Saturday she can run well but she's definitely on a Caulfield Cup path she's one of those Caulfield Cup horses that are kicking off this Saturday in the Memsey Stakes so to answer Sarah's question my understanding is that Jewis was rated 116 when she went into her last start which was back on the 9th of April in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes over 2000 meters which is probably the second best weight for age race in Australia Um, second best to the Cox Plate. She was coming off a Group 1 win in the Tancred, so that's why her rating went from 112 to 116. But on that occasion in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, she actually finished 7th of 9. So she will have dropped three rating points because of that performance. Um, I think maybe Sarah would have seen that 116 going into the Wink Stakes, Mm -hmm. but now that she's in Victoria and she's accepted to run This Saturday, we're seeing her new rating of 113 and the rating points will definitely come into play when we get weights released for the Caulfield Cup, which is actually her main target for the campaign.
1: Yeah, so it's based more off her Queen Elizabeth stakes run than the scratching itself. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep, that's it. Okay, so from race
1: 8, Grace, let's go into the first leg of the Quaddy race 6. It is the McCafe Stakes, a group 3 for 4-year-olds and up. It is a set weights and penalties race over 1,100 metres. So looking at the market, the favourite at the moment when we're recording is number 4 in the boat at $3.90. So $4 a field. This is another race where at the market's opening that um, where there's not a heap of confidence in. What do you think of number four in the boat race?
0: Well, he's a very progressive sprinter. We saw that last campaign where he won four races in a row and won a couple of others after he got beaten at Caulfield, um, including a listed race at the Valley. That was his pinnacle of the preparation. But what the form guide won't tell you is that he actually was the favourite for the Goodwood Handicap in Adelaide, but he was scratched because um, there was some sort of vet problem. I think it might have been a foot abscess, if I can remember properly. So... Um, He was favorite for a group one sprinting race in Adelaide, but he never actually made it. So he's clearly a very good sprinter who's just gone through the grades beautifully. And he now kicks off from barrier 10 in this race over 1,100 meters at Caulfield. The 1100 meter start at Caulfield is a part of the chute from the 1200 and down. So 12, 11, and 1000 are all run from that chute at Caulfield, and there's only one bend. So when we're on that chute at Caulfield, wide barriers aren't too much of a concern because you can sort of sit deep. And not really be put out too much at all. So, Barry 10's no problem for in the boat. He's quite fast out of the barriers anyway. He'll probably go forward and find a comfy spot somewhere. He can run really well. Um, I think that he's definitely one of the key runners in this race fee. What did you think?
1: A horse I do really like is number six, Red Can Man. He's paying $6 as markets open. He is a horse that brings Western Australia form to this race. I really like his barrier in barrier one. I think that's perfect from his recent form. Um, He likes to sort of sit on speed and he'll have every opportunity from barrier one. I also like that last prep. He's had three seconds in group threes. Mm -hmm. So he is performed in this class. Again, we have to query whether the step up to a Victorian group three is going to be a bit of an ask, but I just thought he's had the form from his last prep. He's had a couple of wins over this distance as well, which I really like. And he hasn't had a long break again. He's one of these ones that's, uh, his last run was in May. So he's got good residual fitness, fitness into this race, um, which I think will give him an edge over some of the horses that are first up.
0: I can understand exactly what you're saying there with Red Can Man. He's always sort of around roundabout. We've seen that last campaign as well. So he's definitely one we can put in the quaddie. The other one that I think we should put in the quaddie for some value fee mm. is a horse called Shooting for Gold, number seven. Mm. He is a Queenslander who had his first start down here at Flemington three weeks ago in the Ori Star Handicap He was $4 in the market on that occasion. He finished third, which was a bit disappointing, but a few things were against him. First time down the Flemington Strait, Mm -hmm. it can unravel the best of them. And the second thing was it was a soft six track, and his best form is definitely on good surfaces. Now, we still might be in the soft range on Saturday, but if we're anything better, if we're sort of getting towards a good track and the sun's out and it's racing really well, We can 100% see an improved performance from Shooting for Gold. He's got good form, barrier three, Damien Lane at $17. Um, Considering he was $4 in a similar-ish race last start, I think he's over the odds. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it at $17. Uh, One
1: for maybe a one-by-three bear as well. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so we're just going for the three. We're going for number four in the boat, number six, Red Can Man, and number seven, Shooting for Gold. Good luck to us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's go on to the second leg. Grace 7, the Cockrum Stakes. This is a group three for the mares, four-year-old and up. And it's set weights and penalties, again, over 1,200 metres. Lots of classy mares lining up in this one, Grace. We have a very firm favourite in Passive-Aggressive, number 7. She's an unbeaten mare and she's at $2.50 at the moment. No surprises there. She's obviously going into the quaddy. So she's just been going through the grades, but looks like she could have some really good form at group level. And she has her chance here mm-hmm. in a group three on Saturday.
0: She will be hard to beat in this race. I'm s- she's one of the more exciting horses on the card I think to be honest passive aggressive because if she wins she might be able to find her way into a really nice race throughout the autumn so she's definitely in the quaddy. there's one other horse that I really think we should be adding in and we cannot underestimate in this race and it is the top weight graceful girl now when we're talking about penalties the set weights and penalties it's a good example because she's the only horse in this field to have won a group one Mm -hmm. She's the last start winner of the Group 1 Winter Bottom Stakes, which is in last December. And because of that Group 1 victory, she's obviously got a penalty, and as a result, she's clearly carrying the top weight of 60 kilos. Everything else is 58 kilos or less. So that's when the penalty comes into play. But she is a Group One winner. Yes, she's had um, you know a, a relatively big break. We haven't seen her since December when she was racing. She's got plenty of class. Like she's a good quality sprinter. I think she can definitely measure up. Group One in Western Australia coming
1: to a Group Three in Victoria. I think it's very good form. We've got Damien Lane aboard too, which is a very big tick. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's a she's got a great chance so yep she goes in
0: yep so we've got three in that leg <laughs> go through them for us we have got number one graceful girl at nine dollars fifty we have got number seven passive aggressive the two dollar fifty favorite and then we've got number eight isotope at seven dollars so we've gone for the one horse that's clearly on the way up and then we've got the two group one performers in there as well to make up our three for our second leg of the quaddy. Okay, so we did the third leg
1: up the top of the program. So we are on our fourth leg now. Race nine, the Heatherly Stakes. It is a 1,700 metre listed handicap. And Grace, where do you want to start with this one? Who should we look oh, at first? Oh my
0: goodness, I do not know. Of course, <laughs> this is the last leg of the Quaddy. Like they always have a way of making like the hardest races, the last leg of the Quaddy to blow everybody out. <laughs> so this is definitely one of those When we go back to our spring planning episode, this is a race that is full of horses that will be hoping to make their way into the Caulfield Cup. So they're at 1700 metres here. They'll be looking to win, get some extra rating points, which will help them get a bigger weight, which will help them secure their spot in the Caulfield Cup so there's plenty on the line in a race like the Heavily. having said that there's still a lot of horses that are probably already in the Caulfield Cup like Charlie Rose and and Spanish Mission and Delphi they're already in the Caulfield Cup they just want to run well hit the line here mm-hmm. so they're good stayers um, good 2400 meter sort of horses but they're just first up here so I propose that we put the following horses in our final leg of the Quaddy. Because if this is the perfect leg to do it, because if something wins at forty to one is when you can actually get some return yeah. from your investment. So I propose we put in Delphi. Number two. Number five, Dacky and Sweet Junior. Yep. Number six, Charlie Rose. Okay. Number seven, Luna Flair. Number eight, no effort. Number nine, Jimmy the Bear. Number fourteen, Royal Mile. And number sixteen, he's our Bonneval.
1: How many is that, Grace? Eight eight in this leg okay let's do it we're just going wide if you can't tell listening in we are so confused and unsure here like this is so tricky
0: normally we've got an opinion
1: normally we've got an opinion but it's just so hard in this race it's so hard it'll
0: come down to who gets the best run yeah like
1: yeah eight's a good number for this one. yeah and (laughs) and
0: even still i'm looking at it like oh my god we've missed the winner we just can't but anyway (laughs) we'll see how we go fee
1: well, let's hope we've put them in somewhere. I mean, we've got literally half the field in there. Yep. So we've got a 50% chance of yes. getting some winner. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, so that is the last leg of our quaddie. Now, hopefully, you've written down all those numbers. Hopefully, you're coming up with your own opinions too. I mean, maybe you've got a way better idea in this race than we do because we are lost in the race <laughs> nine. Um, but good luck with your own picks over the weekend such a great day of racing. I'm looking forward to the Mimsy Stakes so much. Uh. So now that we have our LWP Quaddy sorted for Mimsy Stakes Day, we also had one more listener question from Jade. She asks, who determines what the Group 1 to Group 3 enlisted races are and where they are raced?" This is such a good question. It's a little bit like, you know, behind the scenes sort of racing administration question grace so who is it that decides which races are rated at what level and like whether that level needs to go up or down and where they where and when they are run who who is behind those decisions
0: so it is a committee called the racing pattern committee and it's nationwide and it is literally their job to work out what races are currently at Listed, listed to group one status being black type races and also um, in what formation they assemble through carnival. So like does it make sense to have this race here and then three weeks later that race. So it's literally all thought through from this committee called the Racing Australian Racing Pattern Committee. Um, what they have the power to do is to elevate Races because of maybe let's say the last decade, the strength of the race has been worthy of a group two, but it's still been a listed status. They have the ability to elevate it to a group two event if they think that that is actually the true strength of the race. They also have the ability to downgrade certain races. So, a group one year after year might just not actually have any group one sort of horses in it. You find that lots of group three horses, listed style horses are in that race, well, that really shouldn't be worthy of a group one status then. Um. It's a weak group one and it doesn't deserve to hold group one status, so they might downgrade it to a group two. So they have the power to be able to do that. And the racing pattern is also keeping a close eye on new races that are popping up left, right and centre. So, for example, we've seen lots of that recently, one of those being the Everest Um. still doesn't even have a listed well, it should be a Group One. It's yeah. the it's the best sprint race in Australia. It yeah. should be the premier Group One sprint race, but it is, doesn't have Group One status because we've only had it had been run for four years now. I think yes, they probably been wait they'll probably be waiting for one more year before the patent patent committee will jump in and say this needs to be given Group One status. So that's the sort of thing that they're looking at, and they're also looking at the placement of these new races and to make sure that it all makes sense in, like, the greater scheme of the racing calendar, I suppose.
1: So the racing, the local racing bodies, you know, Racing New South Wales, Racing Victoria, Racing New South Wales comes up with a race like the Everest, and because it's worth $10 million, Mm. it obviously attracts the best of the best. Yeah. But it's not Racing New South Wales that gives it that group status. It is this independent body at racing Australia. So it is surprising that the Everest doesn't have you know any black type associated with it yet but i think like you said it's they're letting it have a good run first before they they class they classify
0: it yeah that's how it works they just need that um time and i suppose the consistency in in being for certain that it is deserving of a certain status and they'll either upgrade or downgrade once they've got those years in the bank
1: I'm really impressed with our two listener questions this yeah. week, Grace. they have been really specific, sort of more administration questions than racing questions. But I think, you know, it's a sign that we have covered the basics well and we're ready to dig deeper and ask more in-depth questions and more specific questions about uh, our racing. So thank you to Sarah and Jade who sent in questions this week. And always, if you have a question you want answered on the podcast, make sure you send it in to us. Well, that was a very jam-packed episode, Grace. We put together our LWP Memsy Stakes Day Quaddy mm. and some races were easy and some races were <laughs> not easy to, to preview, but we, we've got it in there, and it's going to be a fantastic day of racing.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed for our Quaddy, We've gone a little bit scary in that first, like, le- leaving out a couple of highly fancied horses, but if we get through that... <laughs> Hopefully we've, we're going to nail it. But, yeah, cannot wait for Mimsy Stakes Day on Saturday. It's such a good kickoff to the spring here in Melbourne, so make sure you either get to the track or tune in from the couch because it's going to be an outstanding day's racing. And next week we will hopefully
1: be joined by a special guest. We want to do an episode all about track work riding, a feature episode where... We talked to a track work rider about their job and the role that they play within the great sport of horse racing. Um, so hopefully we will have that for you next week. We've just got to lock in our guest and we will also be previewing the group one fee and stakes as well at the end of that interview with our special guests. So make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you sign up for our ladies who punt social club. Absolutely. Which is launching this week. So excited for that. And, RSVP to our race day meetup at Mooney Valley on Moyer Stakes Day September 23rd. Heaps going on in the Ladies Who Punt World.
0: A lot going on but what a great time of year to have it all happening. It is just super exciting.
1: Alright guys, we will see you next week. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy the racing and we will catch you next week.